Katie, uh, before we started this morning, like during rehearsals this morning, that I was going to use a word in church that I have never used before, and I never would have dreamt you could, I've never used it anywhere, and I especially didn't think I'd ever use it in church. Are you ready? Are any of you Swifties? Any Swifties? One, one hand going out the door? How many of you don't know what a Swiftie is? If you don't know what a Swiftie is, you're not a Swiftie. And that's okay, because I'm not a Swiftie either. So a Swiftie is a like diehard fan of Taylor Swift. Are any of you Taylor Swift fans without calling yourself a Swiftie or knowing what a Swiftie is? Okay. Uh, I am neither of those things. Um, I grew up on... I didn't grow up on country music, but I grew up in rural northwest Wisconsin, so eventually country music is just the thing that you listen to unless you're a big rebel, then you're listening to that. But uh, I listened to country music growing up and uh, continued that kind of into college. And so in 2006, there was this, this new female act, uh, this young girl who played the guitar and sang, and everybody thought she was super cute, and her name was Taylor Swift, and she sang about, like, teardrops on my guitar and Tim McGraw, and everybody was like, oh, that's cute, and I'm like, okay, well, it's on, it's on the radio with everything else. It's, it's cute, whatever. Um, and then she kind of became a big thing, and then uh, she, she, changed, uh, she changed genres, like, multiple times, so she went from... Uh, country music to pop to kind of rock and roll to folksy type now I think is what she describes her her music as anyways she's now like the biggest act the, the biggest performer in the world and um, I went from kind of being able to tolerate her to not being able to at all and I've never been able to like pinpoint what it was until I like sat and thought about it because who has the time to even sit and think about these types of things? But I, when I sat and thought about it, the, the reason her music bothered me so much is because there was so much of it that didn't change even as the genre changed. It was like she was always complaining. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm not the only one who thinks this. Okay, she's always complaining, and it's always complaining about the things that are happening to her or being done to her. And she's always uh, playing the blame game and, like, blaming all of these other people. And usually it's men. Fair enough. Probably the case most of the time. But it was, like, always, no matter how many years passed or how many genres she switched into, it was always blaming, 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 blaming. And years pass and decades pass, and she continues to blame. And I'm one of those people who thinks that if, if the one constant in a situation is you— Maybe you're the problem. <laughs> so after all these, all these years, all this blame, I was like, oh, Taylor, maybe, maybe you are the problem. So this, this past year, she released a, a new album this past fall, Midnights, I think is what it was called. And it happened to coincide with our vacation to Texas. And we were stuck in a rental car for four hours. And so I decided, you know what, I'm going to just turn it on. It's the newest thing. Everybody's talking about it. We'll We'll put it on as we're driving the four hours between Dal Dallas and Galveston. And the first two songs just kind of like were mushy. It, it felt like anything that I'd heard from Taylor Swift in the past. And then the third song, 
those of you who are Taylor Swift fans might, might know this song called Antihero. Here, here's the chorus. She says, it's me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me. At tea time, everybody agrees. I'll stare directly at the sun, but never in the mirror. It must be exhausting, always rooting for the antihero. And I, in the middle of the drive, I'm like, Chelsea! <laughs> she finally got it! <laughs> she finally gets it. Maybe it's me. Me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me. Finally, she gets it. All of this blame casting over all of these years, at this point, decades. She finally got it. Yes! Good job, Taylor. You did it. Uh, it's so funny, like thousands of years, uh, like humans change and adapt so, so quickly. There's so much that changes even like from day to day, but there's certain things as humans that after thousands of years, we continue to do the same things. And one of those things is blame casting. We're so good at blame casting. Um, and this is one of the reasons that we, we go back to stories like the stories in the Bible is because even though these stories happen or happened 2,000 years ago, uh, half a world away, they were written down and shared 2,000 years ago and half a world away, they still somehow speak to our shared human experience after all this time. These are still things that happen to us that we continue to do. So last week we kicked off this series called Splash, exclamation point, uh, exploring the depths of God's grace at the bottom of the sea. And uh, we define God's grace as being that unending, undeserved, un, uh, unbelievable love of God. And we were trying to get about this and trying to share the experience of the, this grace, this unending undeserved, unbelievable love of God by looking at the story and the book of Jonah. So just as a, a little bit of a reminder, if you weren't here last week, or even if you were, Jonah is this story about this guy who was supposed to be, uh, was supposed to speak on behalf of God. God came to him like all of these other people that were called prophets. Uh, God said to him, uh, you need to get up and you t need to go to this town called, or this city called Nineveh, to your enemies, and you need to tell them that they need to change their ways. And just like every other prophet, Jonah got up, but rather than going the one way, he like turned on a dime and went the other way and ran the opposite direction. He said, ain't no way that I'm sharing God's grace with those people. So that is where we pick up the story. We, we just did three verses last week, and now we pick up the story in verse four and following. But the Lord hurled a powerful wind on the sea. Such a violent tempest arose on the sea that the ship threatened to break up. I didn't mention that in his going the opposite direction, he got on a boat and was like sailing in the opposite direction. Uh, such a violent tempest arose on the sea that the ship threatened to break up. The sailors were so afraid that each cried out to his own God, and they flung the ship's cargo overboard to make the ship lighter. Jonah, meanwhile, had gone down into the hold below deck, had lain down, and was sound asleep. The ship's captain approached him and said, What are you doing asleep? Get up. Cry out to your God. Perhaps your God might take notice of us so that he might not die, so that we might not die. The sailors said to one another, Come on, let's cast lots to find out which, uh, whose fault it is that this disaster has overtaken us. 
So they cast lots, and Jonah was singled out. They said to him, tell us whose fault is, is it that this disaster has overtaken us? What's your occupation? Where do you come from? What's your country? And who are your people? He said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Hearing this, the men became even more afraid and said to him, what have you done? The men said this because they knew that he was trying to escape from the Lord because he had previously told them. Because the storm was growing worse and worse, they said to him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? He said to them, pick me up and throw me into the sea and make the sea quiet down because I know it's my fault you are in this severe storm. Instead, they tried to row back to land, but they were not able to. So because the storm kept growing worse and worse, they cried out to the Lord, Oh, please, Lord, don't let us die on account of this man. So hold us, don't hold us guilty of shedding innocent blood. After all, you, Lord, have done just as you pleased. So they picked Jonah up, threw him into the sea, and the sea stopped raging. The men feared the Lord greatly and earnestly vowed to offer lavish sacrifices to the Lord. So Jonah, Jonah is the main character of this story, right? The whole book is named after Jonah. But as we talked about last week, Jonah is not the hero of this story. He is not a, a true prophet. Like we talked about last week, he's actually a false prophet. You might think of him in Taylor's terms. He's an anti-hero. Uh, when he is... When he is told to go and do this thing, to say this thing to the people of Nineveh, he does not listen. He goes the other way. He says, there ain't no way that I am doing that. There ain't no way that I am listening to God and delivering that message because the grace of God is not for those people. The grace of God is for the good people. The grace of God is for God's people. Oh, by the way, God's people just happen to be Jonah's people. And so when we, th we think about this story, and this one in particular, I don't want us to think about Jonah being the hero and Jonah being the one that we want to follow after and that we want to listen to. So even today, I don't want us to focus in on Jonah. I instead will want us to focus in on the other characters in this story who are the sailors on the boat that Jonah get, uh, gets on their boat with them. So uh, Jonah gets on this boat with them. Immediately he goes down and, and takes a nap, and suddenly this storm whips up, and we hear that the sailors start freaking out, and they start throwing things overboard, and it says that, uh, that the sailors start crying out to all of their gods to try to, to deal with the situation. So these are pagans. So Jonah didn't want to do what he was told and runs away from having to interact with pagans and hops on a boat which is full of a bunch of pagans. Okay, this is going well for him. Uh, anyways, so they find themselves on this boat. They are crying out to all their gods, but they're doing these other things. They're not only casting things overboard, but they are now themselves participating in this blame casting as well to try to figure out why this bad thing is happening to them. First, they talk to their gods. 
Then they start pointing fingers at each other. Well, I'm not to blame. My God's not to blame. Maybe your God's to blame. Are you to blame? And then they realize there's somebody else who's missing from the situation that they could all join in on blaming. Jonah's nowhere to be found. So they go and find Jonah and bring him to the top, and they start figuring out how to blame him and, and to blame his God. So they do this thing called casting lots. Casting lots is almost like getting a deck of cards, and everybody draws a card, and then the lowest card is the loser. And of course, by, by chance, Jonah ends up drawing the, the lowest card. And again, they turn to him and say, what did you do? You are clearly to blame. Then Jonah says, yes, I am clearly to blame. Also, um, my God is behind this. So then Jonah's like blame casting as well. Yeah, it's my fault, but actually God is the one to blame because God is somehow punishing me for this. Blame casting all around, right? But then the sailors do something else. They don't just sit in that blame casting. They don't actually turn to Jonah and say, all right, you're the one to blame. You're going overboard. They try to figure out ways to get him out of it and to not blame him. They try to figure out there must be something else going on here. They try to row to shore to make sure that they don't have to do something that, that places the blame on Jonah. They can't do that. Finally, eventually, they reach the point where Jonah's begging them, just throw me overboard, where they go ahead and do this thing. They throw him overboard, and then the seas calm. Everything seems fine and dandy. And then what they do is they realize in that moment, they start understanding the grace of God for themselves, and they turn to Jonah's God, start praising Jonah's God, and saying, we're going to make a sacrifice to Jonah's God. So once again, Jonah got this message, go to these people who are pagans, preach to them the grace of God. He says, I'm not going to do that. And he hops on a ship, and while on that ship, he's with a bunch of pagans who come to understand the grace of God and end up changing their ways as a result. Jonah can't get away from his calling even when he tries to. The grace of God, the unending, undeserved, unbelievable love of God can't escape what Jonah has done or it continues to do. It is so powerful that even the people that he's running away with are going to respond to it. So here's the question. Who's to blame for the storm. Anybody? You don't actually have to answer. Uh, in the story, there's like different, different people are taking different perspectives on who's to blame in the storm. Um, it starts out with saying that God sent the tempest. So maybe God is the one to blame. God is the one who sent this big storm in response to Jonah. Also, that's just kind of the way that you describe weather patterns in the ancient world when you couldn't really understand what was going on. So, so maybe not. Um, maybe the boat's to blame. This sounds ridiculous, but one of the things that happens at the beginning of the story is it, it says that the boat threatened to break up. So like the boat is given uh, personification. So maybe the boat is to blame for the sailors and Jonah's predicament 
Uh, maybe Jonah's to blame. Yeah, Jonah did this thing, and so this is the direct result of, uh, of his, his turning away from God and him not doing what he was asked to do. And any of those things could be the case. Or maybe um, all, all of them are to blame or none of them are to blame. Maybe they just found themselves in this situation and they had all of these previous understandings of, of how the world worked and they said maybe this is why this is happening. And instead of there being a person or a deity to blame, maybe it was simply an opportunity for them to think differently and to live differently and to change the things that they were doing. Maybe nobody was to blame, but it was still an opportunity to do different going forward. Um, I don't know what kind of situation you've, you find yourself in, um, but the world is full of all sorts of chaotic stuff, right? Um, it's possible that in this moment or in the recent past or in the very near future, you're going to have a situation where you feel completely out of control, where you feel like your boat is threatening to break up, where there's all of these outside forces that are coming at you, and one of the easiest and most human things to do is quickly jump to, who's to blame? What did I do wrong? What did that other person do wrong? What did God do wrong? Um, and that is completely normal and it is completely human. And often there is, there is reason or there are, are people or forces that are to blame for bad things happening. And I will say that our job is not to get stuck in those places. And instead to see these things, the, these, these times that come up when it feels like our boat is about to, uh, is threatening to, to pull itself apart, for us to say, what opportunity is this providing me to do something different? We'll see in the coming weeks that Jonah took this, maybe you've heard this story before, maybe you're not, he gets swallowed by a fish. And then he gets spat out, and it seems like he's going to do things differently. And then it turns out that he does the thing differently, but he hasn't really changed himself. That's one of the options. Another option is for us to just say, no, I'm going to work my way through this and not be willing to change ourselves. Or we could be like the sailors who are completely coming to a new understanding of how the world works and how they understand themselves as a part of this. Wherever you find yourself, whatever thing you find yourself in, whether it is issues with uh, physical or mental or emotional health or um, financial issues or uh, issues with the, the friends and family relationships in your life or whatever chaos that you find yourself going through, my hope is that you will be okay with some of that blame casting because it's the thing that we do as humans, but also not get stuck there also be open to saying what opportunity is this providing me to think and to act and to be differently if taylor swift can do it you can too <laughs> may that be so